And welcome back to Sunset Flip Radio, a podcast about the art and sport of professional wrestling. I'm your co-host, Thomas Lisi, and I'm not joined by Alex this week. I'm joined by a different co-host uh, who I've known for 34 years, uh, my father, uh, Danny Lisi. Dan, or Dad, say hi. Hey, out there. How you doing? <laughs> um, my parents are in town for a couple days, so I decided to bring my dad on board for a little episode tomorrow we are going to be releasing uh, myself and alex a preview of the uh horror show that is extreme rules coming up this sunday but me and my dad were sitting outside in the backyard and we decided to uh record a little bit right yeah uh, yeah it uh took a while to get me up here but uh... <laughs> i think i think you're very uh intrigued by by what this actually is and you know i changed the room here to yeah, I can see how you modify it, but I still see some of the things you did uh, when you were young and those, all those uh, memorabilia things. I didn't realize you had so many. Still well, some see. of the stuff that we bought, but I still got all the wrestling figures and uh, the see. wrestling buddies. Yeah, I see them over there. Yeah, and uh, my father bought me and my mother got me the wrestling buddies when I was a kid. And we always talk about on our podcast that how much they're worth. You know that they're worth like $200 these days, 250 like mint condition ones. Really? Yeah, we ch- I tried to get an Undertaker one, but it was like $350 on eBay, so I didn't want to buy it. But yeah, we, uh, as you can tell, Dad, we changed the room around a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So why, why are we here today? We're here to talk about wrestling. So uh, my father is the, the one that actually got me into professional wrestling when I was very young. I mentioned that a couple times before in the podcast when I was like five or six. We would go to RX Place remember right right. yes so we would go to rx place and we would rent the videos and the first one that we ever rented was the 1990 rumble and i don't know why that stands out in my mind just because of the i remember the picture that was on the um the front cover so and i remember watching it downstairs on the blue carpet in the living room yes and you were hooked after that yeah uh, and i can't tell you how many wrestling matches we had downstairs (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that you pinned me yeah (laughs) Yeah, because I would cry for my mom if I lose, if I lost. Right, we got but, those uh, wrestling buddies, and uh, we had a lot of matches. Yeah, we did, but um, yeah. So my father's knowledge of wrestling, uh, he'll say some stories, but my father's knowledge of wrestling, like you said, was from what mid sixties to late late fifties, early sixties into the sixties, when my grandfather. Uh, he was a big wrestling fan back in the day, and we would go to see wrestling matches. Uh, they had him at the uh, Jersey City Armory okay. up on Montgomery Street. And uh, went over to the garden uh, once or twice. He's talking uh, about Madison Square Garden. Yeah, over the Madison Square yeah. Garden, right. Because that was, a, that was a time where Vince McMahon Sr. had the WWWF. It used to have one more W before Vince Jr. bought it from him, and he dropped it to two Ws, but... The WWWF used to have many headline shows at Madison Square Garden. Oh, uh, God. I'll tell you, there were so many. And uh, they uh, came in with so many different uh, types of uh, wrestlers. Uh, and uh, But everybody that was in uh, town, in Jersey City anyway, they were Bruno San Martino fans. Yeah, I know you're... Uh, now, the song that played in the beginning, I was trying to find a song about Bruno San Martino. And the one that played was... Um, I just typed in YouTube, Bruno San Martino theme. And 
I think it was the theme that when he got inducted to the WWE Hall of Fame a couple years ago before he passed away, uh, that was that one came up because obviously back in the 50s and 60s there was no entrance songs. The guys was just run down to the ring. Oh yeah, they just got in the ring. That yeah. was it. That there's was no it. smoke. There's no pyrotechnics. There's no famous. Well, Gorgeous George and uh, the original the original Nature Boy. They were outfits that were pretty. You know, swanky, I guess you can say for the times, because, you know, Ric Flair brought the robes in 80, but Bruno San Martino, he had a rug on his chest. And he just, <laughs> and he just, he just ran to the ring in that his little it. Speedo, that I feel was like. It. He was, uh, he wasn't a real big, tall man, but he was, uh, built like a fire plug. He had this like a, massive chest. Like and, a brick shit house. Well, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of people will know he held the bench press record, uh, for years and years, uh, very powerful man. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, didn't have gigantic arms, but he had this uh, just naturally strong strength, and you can see that. But uh, it was always after a match when he started talking Italian to the audience, to his fans, and my grandfather would sit there and speak back Italian to him. And well, yeah, well, we talked about this before that they Bruno San Martino was big and and in, in, in the Eastern Coast because of there was a heavy Italian population back. In the day that went to the garden, watched them, and all that stuff. Yeah, we all had different fans. Uh, everybody loved when Bruno Sammartino and Killer Kowalski would fight. Killer Kowalski actually trained Triple H. If you didn't know that. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, he did. Actually, I didn't. Yeah. But, uh, he was a uh, a great wrestler too. I used to like watching Haystacks Calhoun and uh, all those other wrestlers, Chief J Strongbow, mm -hmm. and um, Gorilla Monsoon. Yeah. And, well. Uh, I, I remember Gorilla Monsoon from being a commentator when I first started watching wrestling. Um, and I remember him at Bobby the Brain Heenan. And he was he was a he was a pretty funny guy, but he was a heel. He was a bad guy from what I remember when he uh, was yeah, a wrestler. Bobby the Brain and uh, Well, Gor Lou Gorilla. Al yeah, Gorilla was Albano. a heel. Uh, Lou Albano was... Uh, uh, he was a character too, but uh, when you started to look at how the managers play a big role, it, it got um, much larger as time went by. Yeah, where the wrestlers they can come down. There was no manager. He had a uh, wrestler like Arnold Scolan, and uh, he would lose every match. <laughs> yeah, he was a jobber. <laughs> he would lose, he's, but he was a. He's what you call a jobber. He was a phenomenal wrestler. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think once when when he actually won a match. It was, uh, everybody was uh, applauding. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, before San Martino, though, was a little bit of information. Um, when we got, uh, me and your mom got married, uh, at our wedding was Anthony Naraka. And he was. Because he owned the catering hall? Uh, or his brother did? Uh, right? well, was he, that it was? he had ties to the catering hall, and uh, uh, he wasn't really a tall man, but he had a hand, like, was like a catcher's mitt. Yeah. And, uh, he was a really nice guy, and he was at our wedding, and all the uh, Bizans would, you know, yeah. <laughs> they'd go up and they'd take some photos with him, uh, but uh, he was a true gentleman, mm -hmm. as was uh, the other wrestlers, too. Now, I know, well, seen. my father, uh, if anyone doesn't know, he was a retired police officer up in Jersey City, and there were a couple times when he used to work security at Dickinson High School, right, where he went to high school? Or uh, the yeah, armory. Yeah, they, they would throw wrestling matches up. Yeah, there. so like you would, like you were the first, obviously, you know, you being my father, you were the one that told me that wrestling is scripted. I didn't believe you and, you know, 
it is what it is. But um, you would tell me stories about how they would walk in with briefcases, right? Like what? Oh, you yeah, know, dressed in jacket Ken, and tie. Like Ken, Ken Patera you met, right? Uh, yeah, I sat down with Ken and, uh, you know, good guy is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, if he, really, back if is, he stood next to him. You can drive a truck he, on his back. He has to walk sideways through a door. Let's put it that way. He's that big, he, huh? He, and he was Olympic, uh, I believe, silver medalist uh, back in the day. Wrestler, right? Or a powerlifter? Uh, powerlifter. No, powerlifter. he was in the Olympics. Uh, I believe he won the silver medal. Uh, but uh, he's sitting down with uh, Ivan Putski, the Polish hammer. And uh, I'm just sitting there watching them, and they're going over what's going to go on in the ring and how, you know, it was going to end. And, you know, uh, but they're, uh, they were all gentlemen there. Dominic Danucci, he was another guy, a wrestler that was there, and he was going over. And uh, for those who don't think that accidents can happen, they can. I still remember uh, how, uh, I guess, uh, when you move the wrong way, you get hit the wrong way. And, oh, yeah, uh, basically, like Alex brought up last week. Alex said wrestling is basically learning how to fall and making sure that the other person you keep or the person that you wrestle with is safe. Right, but when you get a hit in the elbow into the thinnest layer of skin to bone, which is your eyebrow, uh, and it opens up, you know, yeah. uh, that's basically what happened. There was blood back in the day, right? Was there blood in the matches? Oh, or? yeah. They had oh. these little tiny ra uh, razor blades that would put between, uh, you know, the surgical tape. and they'd On, keep their, them. on yeah. their wrist. And... Uh, now they, I, I think, if there is any blood, it's more of a uh, like a like a, a glue job, so to speak, and then they'll. Uh, in today's uh, wrestling, yeah, I'm not sure well, how that works. Here's here's the thing. Today's wrestling, it's I mean, there's two there's two brands, AEW and WWE. AEW is TV14, uh, WWE is TVPG. So the big difference is the violence aspect, the blood. So I mean, if anyone bleeds on WWE television, it's because of an accident. They don't do many blood jobs anymore. I think the last one that it actually meant, I remember Brock Lesnar was hitting. I think Randy Orton with elbows, and he popped them open, and he was bleeding. But I mean, if you look back in the day at all the guys that used to bleed, like Dusty Rhodes, oh yeah, well Rick remember Flair, it, was, it was black and white TV back then yeah. too. You know, uh, we didn't have color TV. Uh, when I used to watch wrestling with my grandfather. Uh, so you could see the blood, but, you know, the true color of what you see today yeah. was entirely different. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you go to a match and you sat down there and, you know, we always had pretty good seats um, with my grandfather, uh, especially at the Jersey City Armory. That's where they held a lot, a lot of matches over the years. And uh, you'd see them come in and, you know, they were... Going out, uh, if they were bloodied up, no big deal. It was, you know, just part of uh, going to work. Yeah. That's how they did it. But uh, they didn't get paid nothing like they get paid today. No. I mean, if you look at wrestlers today, I think the highest paid wrestler is Brock Lesnar. And he doesn't even work a full year. And, I mean, you got these guys like, like Seth Rollins who busts his ass and Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. And they're all getting underpaid by um, by a substantial amount, which is millions of dollars. It's Vince McMahon has grew his company into he's a billionaire, obviously. The, oh, amount, the amount of money that he makes based off the WWE network. It's, so it's ten dollars a month. Right. Think about how much that that makes worldwide. Yeah. yeah worldwide. And you've seen the you, you've been on the network. It's 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 a good platform, I think, for people to watch wrestling. I mean. They have all different kinds of wrestling, which is good. They have different promotions. They have old school wrestling. They have new school wrestling. So, you know, um, 
it's de- it's definitely worth the money, but it's just it's so much different from back in the day. I mean, my earliest. I mean, I used to. Wa- I mean, I watched. I have DVDs of you know old championships of watching like Pedro Morales, superstar Billy Graham. Oh yeah, he came in jacked day. all the time. He, oh, he was rib- He was on steroids. Though. Oh yeah, he would stand up in the middle of the ring and he would you know pop a bicep pro uh, you know pose that. Yeah. Uh, would uh like oh god look at the size of this guy yeah and, uh, what about jesse the body well jesse the body ventura was uh well he was a, he was before know, he was a I military he was uh i believe a navy seal yeah as well and uh he was uh isn't he always on fox news or uh, he's on he's on the news a lot i feel like he was on a couple of news shows no i know he was uh, i know he was, he's he's in a politics obviously he was a governor he was governor of minnesota right? yeah yeah minnesota but uh, everybody was shocked when he won. <laughs> I do know that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when you see him in uh, when he went to Hollywood, you know, and teamed up with uh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, for uh, Predator. Predator. That was his yeah. first movie. He actually, you know, promoted himself as the lead actor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he did that a lot, and yes. during the WrestleManias, he would say, "Oh, I'm in this, I'm in this movie, and Schwarzenegger's my my uh, like uh, Co- you know, yeah. co-star. Yeah, co-star. Yeah." <laughs> Yeah, even though yeah. Schwarzenegger's making ten times as much more money as he would, he he was a funny guy. My my only memory of Jesse the Body was when he used to uh, announce with Gorilla Monsoon. Right. So like all the early rest like WrestleMania one. Well, he was a good announcer. Oh yeah, he he, he played good. the. So was Monsoon. He, he oh well, Monsoon in my opinion is the number one of all time in my opinion. I mean, if you look at wrestling announcers, you have Jim Ross, right? Like when right. we. When we watched wrestling a lot in the Attitude Era, when there was The Rock and Stone Cold, right? Monday Night Raw, we used to watch, um, and, and Nitro on WCW. Um, Jim Ross was good, uh, you know. I mean, it was a different kind of announcing. I feel like Gorilla Monsoon was more of the he stuck to the moves more and made the jokes. Where well, he was a wrestler, that's why he was a wrestler. Yeah, and and he, then he knew what was going on in the ring, and he could verbally. <laughs> Uh, make that happen on the mic yeah and uh why by being a wrestler i guess that's made a lot easier for him and he's good communicator too so uh when you guys have guys like him and like i said before you had your favorite wrestlers uh when you see a guy like uh haystacks calhoun calhoun come in he was and, a big uh, guy, right? Was oh, he like 500 pounds? He was enormous. He had you know, like farmer's pants on. Yeah, he, he wore overalls, right? Overalls, and he had a chain with a horseshoe wrapped around it. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a it was, uh, good comic relief with regards to him. But uh, when it comes down to, you know, doing a splash on someone, oh, yeah. I don't care how <laughs> I don't how ca- great shape you yeah. are, 500 pounds coming it's, down it's on you. Yeah, it's still 500 pounds. Yeah, it's still 500 that's like, pounds. That's, see, like, that's why, you know, everyone talks about um, – like Andre the Giant, like like what do you, what do you think of Andre? You think that he would he just got big because of his size, or you think that he was actually a good wrestler for his size? Well, Andre the Giant really wasn't a, a great wrestler. You know, he, his his hand was the size of a, like I said a catcher's mitt, and yeah. he would just slap you. And uh, well, I think yeah, it was he, more everybody like was a in, gimmick. He was everybody was in awe of him because of his size. Did you ever see him live? Uh, no, I never did see him live. Uh, because uh, he was he was big in the late seventies, early eighties. Right, you know, he he caught wind with with Vince in WWF more towards the later end of his career. WrestleMania three, that was nineteen eighty seven when he got when he got uh, slammed by Hogan. So 
you know, I, I've seen the, the Andre documentary and most of his fame, I guess, or as the peak of his career was before uh, WWF. But I never saw Obviously, I never saw him. No, I never did either. He uh, <clears throat> came into the scene um, and... Because uh, he wrestled Bruno, right? I mean, they were around the same time. Well, Bruno was actually... Out on, of on, on his way out, yeah. That Bob Backlund, you know, Bob came Backlund. in after that, yeah. Uh, and um, he had the he had the belt for a very long, a time. very long time. Everybody was surprised about him keeping it that long, you know. And uh, he had a little quirkiness about him, but uh, oh, Bob Backlund, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, yeah. But uh, he was a phenomenal t- technical wrestler. Yes, he was a, like, definitely a technical. wrestler. Uh, no, like like a mat wrestler. Like I think he was a wrestler. Like Kurt Angle, he was a wrestler before he you know, became. Kurt Angle was a real deal too. Yeah, you know, I mean, gold medalist. You, I mean, if you look at all these guys, Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, Dolph Ziggler, the, these guys are all NCAA. Uh, Chad Gable, they're all huge uh, wrestlers in college, and I think that's the big trend right now. Um, having a technical, being tech, you know, Matt savvy, I guess you can say, but. You know today's program of wrestling, it's it's a lot different than back in the day. Like I, I like we had an episode of the eras of wrestling. Like what era I appreciated the most, and for me the number one was the Attitude Era. So that was when I was ten, Stone Cold. When I was twelve, you know, ten to twelve, that was ninety six to ninety eight, when we had The Rock, right? Stone Cold, mm-hmm, DX. Mm-hmm. We used to watch Monday Night Raw every Monday, and uh, and I put the Golden Era which was 85 to 92 as the second because I grew up watching that. Well, early 70s, is uh, it kind of got lost in the shuffle with me. We got married uh, in 75, and once uh, you know the kids came, and all of a sudden wrestling came back too. And uh, yeah. then you had the movie Rocky come out, then Rocky 2, and the next thing you know, there's a guy named... Uh, Thunder you know, Lips, Rocky Three. Yeah, Rocky. Well, yeah, Rocky Three. Rocky was Three was Thunder. Yeah, because so, it was him and Mr. T. That's right. And yeah. uh, he came into the picture, and uh, all of a sudden he became Hulk Hogan, fighting against uh, the Iron Sheik, American yeah. Flag Wagon, and after that, wrestling, wrestling came back. Wrestling changed. Again. Yeah. Oh, it came back. And then again. look at WrestleMania One, where you had Mr. T and Hulk Hogan team up against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff from Roddy Roddy Piper. Right, that I mean, you have you have Paul Orndorff. You know, he juiced and he as was well. ridiculous, huge. And, uh, he had a heart attack, I believe, later on. He and, did. He's still alive, though. Yeah, he's still alive. I mean, that's the thing with with wrestlers like from the golden era. It's sad to say, but maybe six out of ten of them, like if I can name ten wrestlers from watching it back when I started watching in 1990, six out of the ten are probably definitely well. Obviously, they're dead. I mean, my favorite wrestler from that time, Mr. Perfect, he's dead. Like all, yeah, right. you know, Mr. Perfect, Rick yeah, Rude. Yeah, used to like him growing up. I yeah. was a big Mr. Perfect fan. Yeah. I, I was a I was a Hogan fan. Um, I wanted to be Hulk Hogan. It was funny you showed me that picture. I do have a, for anyone listening out there and, and anyone that cares about what I looked like when I was six years old, <laughs> I got a picture of me dressed up as Hulk Hogan. I think that was for my birthday. Yeah. With the belt. I remember with the belt and the shirt and the headband, <clears throat> Lauren, my sister, Lauren, she posted it on Facebook like a couple years ago and it came up on a memory and I saved it to my phone. Maybe, maybe I'll post it later on to see how, so everyone can believe that I was a huge Hogan fan, but like, 
I like Macho Man. Macho Man was different, right? He was. Oh yeah. He and was crazy. Miss Elizabeth. And, I mean, okay, uh, Miss Elizabeth. Like Alex's favorite wrestler is Macho Man. Miss Elizabeth. You never saw a female manager before, and they were married in real life too. No. It, today it's what the writer puts in the script, but back in the day, you know, a lot of it was filtered in with uh, their own personal uh, add-ons and uh, yeah, like Macho Man had his thing. Hulk Hogan had his thing, you know. And, well, uh, Hulk Hogan had two catchphrases uh, and yeah. say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Eat vitamins yeah. I wanted to be Hulk Hogan. I had the rock and wrestling bed sheets. I used to watch rock and wrestling. Uh, I used to, you know, I think, I think the, the little set that you guys got me for my birthday, it was the Hulk Hogan shirt. It had, cause I looked it up the other day, what it came with. And it came with like, like a, like a fake vitamin packet. And it came with like a headband and wristbands and like a little, <clears throat> Excuse me, a little belt, and uh, no, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Well, you used to do the Jimmy Superfly snooker from the top rope on top. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be laying down. All of a sudden, I get a flying elbow coming out. Yeah, me and, uh, that was when I was like seven or eight. If <laughs> I if eight. I did that to you now, that would hurt a little bit. Uh, yeah, you probably I'd be uh, <laughs> talking from a hospital bed. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I think I got more enjoyment having you watch it and seeing you. Uh, with a smile on your face because you enjoyed it and I think that made it more important for me yeah I mean um, yeah I mean you you got me into wrestling I think because I remember we used to well we had this routine it was me um, my sister Danielle my mom and my sister Lauren we would go to Red Moon Pizza every Friday night yeah from when I was like seven seven years old and we and we would I would run into RX place and we would rent get a movie. The, get the, get you the would movie. get a movie and I would get a wrestling right. uh, tape or VHS. Yeah. So like back in the day, WWF only had four pay per views. So they had SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series. So I would always get them a couple months after. So like, um, like I didn't hear the Undertaker until I was like six years old. He debuted in 1990. So two years before he, um. I, I, I rented the video, but I remember doing that. Yeah, I, when Undertaker I, first came in, his name wasn't, uh, I forget his name. Mean Mark. Yeah, Mean Mark, right. Yeah, and his, he run, would, his run name is Mark Calloway. He would walk along the rope while he was holding onto your arm. He and, still does that. Or he still well, did that. When he first came onto the scene, I remember when he actually just first came in. Because he was in WCW. And that was one of his, you know, his own little, like a signature move or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, of course, he became, you know, famous for, quote, The Undertaker. Uh, but uh, like I said, thirty well, years he was wrestled for yeah, WWF. That's a long time. A very long. Time. That's think think about it. What wrestlers last thirty years? You don't see anybody like that. No. Ric Flair uh, maybe, but Ric Flair went from went from NWA to WCW to WWF to WCW to WWE. Then he went to TNA. So like the thing about the Undertaker that I really love and appreciate is that he stayed loyal to Vince. Uh, yeah, and that was like yeah. Bruno San Martino, right? Yes. Well, Bruno San Martino, he uh, played the Garden so many times. Yeah, and the he, whole East Coast. He appreciated everything that the Garden did for him. Yeah, and uh, that's why back then the WWF he uh, lasted a long time because he drew all the crowds. When you had the entire uh, arena sold out, of course Bruno was coming. But uh, like I said, one of the greatest matches I think ever was uh, 
Kowalski and Samotino. And those guys uh, went at it a lot. Oh, God. I, I, I remember watching a match, uh, not live. Uh, on te- so let me was, ask you a question. It was right? on TV. Black when, you, when you watch a match on television, right, was it like a show that they had? Like, you know how WWE has Raw, right? Was it just like... ESPN plays. Well, you had the announcers, you had the wrestlers. Like, they just came into the ring, and then all. Of a well, sudden, I know, but like, was it like an ABC? Was it on CBS? Was it just like a channel? Uh, for some reason, I think it was Channel Five. We only had, uh, I think, uh, two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and if you had a good antenna, you got thirteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was black and white. Yeah, but uh, I do remember watching this one match, and I, to this day, think it just got out of hand because. Uh, San Martino got hit in the head, uh, I believe, with a chair. And uh, the anger, and I still remember seeing in their faces. And then all of a sudden, about 12, 13 wrestlers come flying out of the back, running down and into the ring to separate them. And blood was everywhere. So it was legit. It looked like it was. I don't think that was a staged act. Well, and, you know uh, what? That, sometimes that could... things get out of hand. Well, yeah, like there's a term in wrestling called kayfabe where... When you break kayfabe, that means that you're kind of bringing reality into the bubble known as sports entertainment. So, like, when maybe something went on with them outside of the ring that led to it. Because that's how, like, they may hate each other outside the ring. But then then when they get in the ring, you know, they got to work, basically. Well, that's their job. I I do remember uh, when uh, there was a little bit of a tiff at the... uh, high school when they did a wrestling match uh well i don't like doing it that way uh, one of the wrestlers said well that's you know that's how we'll finish no i want i want to finish a different way it's going to make me look bad yeah and you know they, they, well okay well, taking the pin or taking someone's finisher right well uh you know so uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna finish that way i want to do this before the finish so i don't look real bad yeah uh and they worked it out it wasn't like a shoving or pushing match but the funniest thing is when you see uh, the Polish Hammers sit down here with, you know, Kemper Terror. They were like gentlemen. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Ivan Putski had <laughs> his legs were like tree trunks. And Kemper Polish Terra, power, like, yeah. Oh, God. Polish power. Now, Kemper Terra, I, I watched him because he was, he was around a little bit early WWF. But then he got arrested, right? Yes, him and a uh, wrestler named, I believe, Saido. Um they uh, unfortunately uh, they were, I believe, staying at a hotel and uh, probably a motel because a lot of wrestlers back in the well, day, yeah, motel, they stayed at like hotel. Holiday Inns, like yeah. like drive and like they, on the side of the road. Yeah, and they I guess they had a little too much. They wanted to get some food someplace, and uh, the police were called. They were you know bouncing cops from floor to ceiling and wall to wall <laughs> until eventually, uh, from what. I remember the the cop said, "Listen, you know, uh, you guys are gonna have to stop, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're gonna shoot you." You know, that's how it kind of was kind of laid out, I think, back then, because uh, they uh, had uh, multiple cops injured, and they went to prison. I think it was like two and yeah, a half and, years. And what was kind of weird was, like, the WWF kind of played a part of that, and like, what they would do, like, they would have vignettes. So, like, when Mister Perfect was about the debut. They did like this little video program of him bowling a perfect strike, hitting a home run, doing everything perfect, right? So like I remember for some reason I remember they had Ken Patera in a jail cell and he was like apologizing for what he did. 
But that's that's I mean that that was a real thing. Like it that... was real, and the reality uh, of knowing the consequences of what he did uh, didn't fit his character. You remember, this guy was a Olympic hero. Yeah, and um, I think it was if you were sitting right here, he would tell you it's the most. Is he still alive? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I I think he is. Uh, he would probably oh. tell you that was the most embarrassing thing he ever did in his life. Uh, as a person and uh, you know the consequences themselves speak the truth of what yeah, he did in uh, time of his life he's uh, I think he's still alive yeah I think he's uh, I try to think of him more so as uh, as an Olympic uh, yeah he you know, was uh, hero. he was uh, born in 42 so that means that he's 78 okay yeah he's 78 so um yeah like i uh again like i uh, i watched most more of the wrestling like back at back back in the day like on youtube and stuff because they have it like i watched gorilla against muhammad ali i've watched uh <laughs> i've watched superstar billy graham against bob Backlund. i've seen you know adrian adonis and jesse the body when they were a tag team so like like i don't know what it is like for me I really appreciate wrestling from back in the day. And like, granted, like they weren't doing front flips off the top rope. They weren't doing all this stuff. It no, was Terry Funk, but he couldn't, he would be, uh, just, uh, I mean, he was, uh, a wrestler, but he could take Terry Funk was, was chaotic. He was take bumps him and Mick Foley. They were unbelievable in regards to punishment that they were yeah. just, accepted. do you remember, do you remember when the undertaker threw Mick Foley off the top of the cell? Yeah. That was 1998. I was 12. To this day, I still don't see how... What was that wrestler? Rikishi? Rikishi. He landed on Val Venus. And... And Val Venus took the bump. Oh, he did a splash off the top of a cage. Copped a cage, and I don't know how... You know, Rikishi's 450. I know. <laughs> Val Venus is like 240. I could not understand how he actually you know, walked away from that. It was like, uh, what, 15, 20 feet up? Yeah. Uh, I know you have to be ber- perfect when it comes to... You know, doing a move like that, but uh, you know, accidents happen. That's too. like that's a lot like, of tragedy in wrestling as well. That's like when some of those like big guys, like Yokozuna, right? Hmm. Yokozuna is like five hundred and something pounds. Like when you do his bonsai drop, where he would jump up in the air and then sit on your chest. Oh, there had to be a couple times when his foot slipped. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're getting five hundred right in the chest cavity. Yeah, that's that a trip to the chiropractor yeah. without even wanting it. <laughs> yeah, that hurts a little bit. That definitely hurts, yeah. but um. You take a guy like Tony Atlas back then. Oh, he, well, was, he was. You think he was juicing? Uh, the odds are a lot of them who would, yeah. you know, that I big, mean, he was ripped. Like, he big, was. You know, he was a bodybuilder. Yeah, he was, I mean, uh, he was Mr. America or Mr. Yes. Universe, whatever he was. But at the latter part of his life, it was sad to see how, you know, he was just trying to get along, scraping for dollars, you know. Yeah. And, Doing a lot uh, of independent stuff. Yeah, independent. And uh, Well, WWE took care of him. I think they put him in the Hall of Fame. You know they've done interviews. Oh, well, they think. should. Yeah, they should. Like that's a thing that like a lot of rest, like a lot of fans don't know about, like life after wrestling, right? A good example, like you look at someone like the Dynamite Kid, mm-hmm. right? The Dynamite Kid, he got hurt. I think he lost his legs or something like that. Um, like a lot of these wrestlers, after they retire, mm-hmm. it's either they die quickly due to steroids and due to being all like messed up, or yeah. they're just you know like Kamala. Remember Kamala? Yeah. He has his legs amputated. He got his legs amputated. 
Oh, really? Because he has that. like a bacterial disease or something like that. And I know and when he first came out, I think it was uh, Lou Albano was his... Uh, he used to slap his stomach. Yeah. He was a horrible, uh, uh, he was a horrible wrestler, but you know what it is? It was a gimmick. Yeah, like back in the day, like George the Animal Steel, right? Oh. Like he ate a turnbuckle and he had his, green, his tongue painted green. He was and, a teacher. And he was a very smart man. Yeah. <laughs> it was a gimmick. Yeah, it know? was a gimmick. That's like all it was. Like he wrestled in late 70s, early 80s, yeah. right? Like yeah. I... Like I know he wrestled San Martino. I saw him match on YouTube. He looked like a woolly mammoth when he came. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, and and then you know maybe that was something different about him, but you know I I don't know what it was. I mean, like I, my fondest memories are Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, and like back then, um, who else? King Kong Bundy. I remember. Yeah. I remember Andre, Jake the Jake the Snake was. I like Ricky the Dragon. Yeah, I mean, both. a lot of them still work with uh, WWE. Yeah, oh. like Jake the Snake's in AEW, the one. Okay. That's owned by um, or Dusty Cody Rhodes, Dusty's son. Dusty Rhodes too. Yeah, I Dusty Rhodes. Now, like Dusty Rhodes, like him and Ric Flair would just go at it like all the time. Oh and, yeah. And like they would cut themselves, and like it, like Ric Flair's forehead looks like a cheese grater. It's just kind yeah. of all you know. Old. That's that was part of his job too. That was part of his job. Roddy Piper. What was oh. the what's that's name? He had the forearm. The bionic forearm? Uh, Lex Luger? No, 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 not Luger. He had long blonde hair, uh, barrel chested, uh oh, older wrestler. Um, was he can't remember WWF or Yeah, no, WWF, yeah. I can't remember his name though. And he was always with the forearm. Um, oh, the only one I know with a forum is Lex. No, this is before Lex Luger. Like in the Hogan time? Uh, yeah, and before I believe. Uh, with a forum, Greg the Hammer. Greg the Hammer. Valentine. Oh no, Greg, Greg the Hammer was a. He did the figure four, but he. Well, no, he did. He would pull his sleeve up and. You know, yeah, he he did he did a second rope elbow. I know that yeah. he was a like when people when you talk about great wrestlers. I feel like he's a name that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit. Greg the Hammer, he was a phenomenal wrestler. He was, so was so was uh, Tito Santana. Like yeah. all these guys, Tito Santana, like um, and Greg the Hammer won the Intercontinental Belt. I, the one I have on the table. Um, oh, you mean the one I'm going to take? Yeah. <laughs> the one I'm going to take from you? <laughs> yeah. But they they had battles over that belt because the original Pat Patterson won the belt originally, and it was kind of passed between. Don Morocco, Tito Santana, Greg the Hammer, and then Macho got it, Steamboat. But that's my favorite belt for a reason. You know, I think, like I told you, I feel like that belt is more designated for the people that can actually wrestle and what work. What about the original WWF uh, belt? The, belt the, the, the weightlifting the belt weightlifting from like belt. 1944. <laughs> yeah. The one that's sitting in the garage right now. Yeah. When uh, Tom was a young boy, I uh, had a weight belt that had a wide back, you know, for doing... Uh, Heavy lifting. Because my uh, father was a power lifter. And uh, I carved in WWF, and we would uh, have it, these. It was little... more of a Sharpie <laughs> marker, but go ahead. No, I carved No, it. you wrote it with a Sharpie. Okay, well, yes. carved go ahead. WWF out. Okay. But uh, we have these matches, and uh, Tom would take the belt if he pinned me or I pinned him. God forbid if I pinned him, he called his mother. You know, uh, but uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> I like I like I like how you blame everything on me with mom, like. Oh come on! How many times I put you in an ankle lock or a wrist lock, and you know, well, like, uh, like it hurt. It hurt. 
You know, I mean, I was like nine. You weren't nine. You got yes, I was. No, I was like eight or nine. And you, uh, you would pin me and throw the crab claw on me. Yeah, the crab pin. I'd sit on, I'd sit on my father's chest, and I'd pull his legs over his head at like seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Yeah. And then my sisters would be like, "Shut up, Thomas," and I'd be like, "Okay." That was funny. Yeah. And then he would take the belt and just run out of the room, you know, and and just yell. And still <laughs> WWF champion. Yeah, and I was I was a very big sore loser too. Thomas the Terralisi. Yeah, I was I was a really big sore loser. <laughs> I mean, I think I think that's just because I got my I got my competitive nature from you. Definitely. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. There's nothing wrong with Lauren's more competitive than I am. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she yeah, is. Yeah. Uh but I think I got well, I got the love for wrestling from you and I remember Daniel and Lauren. Lauren, no, Danielle liked watching wrestling because she was like a fan of. I remember she was a fan of Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, the Rockers. I remember when I was like, I remember she used to have the pictures of them on the wall when I was like really, really young. But, um, yeah, just I don't know why. I just well, it's uh, you know what it is. It's a balancing act between what she's liked and also too because all of these were athletes. Yeah. Danielle was an athlete in high school. Lauren was an athlete in high school. You were an athlete in high school. Yeah, and uh, you know it. Uh, but like I, I don't know. Like I always say to myself, what got me into wrestling? I don't know. To this day, I don't know. Something about I don't know. It's if it's the entrances. I think it's because Hulk Hogan to me was like a larger than life human being. Like I thought he was basically. I was brainwashed by Hulk Hogan. Part of me thinks Hulk Hogan became famous when he beat the Iron Sheik. Oh yeah, in '84. The Iron Sheik came in with the Iranian flag. And I believe it was the Iranian flag. And, I think it was, uh, I, yeah, Iran. And, uh, and Tehran, Tehran right, Iran. We, we were, you know, at a very bad time with regards to, you know, the Middle East and what was going on. And Hulk Hogan was like the waving the American Baby flag. Baby face. Came in and uh, in a matter of, I think it was just minutes, he just beat the Iron Sheik. Yeah. Killed him with the leg the leg drop a couple oh, times. The, and the, he's leg, out. the leg drop of yeah, doom. Yeah, the leg drop how, of doom. How weak of a finisher is that? He's not really a great wrestler. Hulk, I, thank you. All. Thank no, you. He's not really you, you, know, you know what? Al, Alex is funny. He's like, when are we going to do a Hogan podcast? I don't want to do a podcast about Hulk Hogan. Like, we did one for The Undertaker. He's my favorite wrestler. We did one for The Rock because it's Alex's favorite wrestler and one of mine, you, too. You should do it for Hulk Hogan because of one main reason. He brought wrestling back. Or was that Vince McMahon? No, it was Hulk Hogan because he was the mouthpiece for WWF. McMahon knew the kind of uh, momentum Hogan it was, was. It was all money signs. Well, with Hogan, of course. Yeah. But Hogan could speak. He, you know, brought uh, wrestling, I believe, back to... Uh, you think he? From, they from, make, it was there was a there was a time zone, uh, I think maybe late seventies. Uh, so like 80s. so like when Bob Backlund was champion. Yeah. yeah, Bob Backlund I think didn't draw the crowds like Bruno Sammartino did. No, he didn't. You know at all. And, and it, uh, it was really funny because he had the belt for a very long time. Yeah, I was surprised at myself, and that when I think is just was the downtime for me, uh, wrestling. And then I would tell you stories of me, you know, going to wrestling matches with my grandfather as you got older. And then when you started watching wrestling, it, you know, uh, Hogan was in the picture and a lot of other wrestlers. And then when Hollywood took over and, you know, what the writers put in the script, it became, you know, more sensationalized with managers. And uh, then when females came into uh, wrestling, 
it uh, changed the whole scope of uh, you know turning the TV on and just watching two guys go at it. You had uh, back then. You had was it Moolah? Uh, and I mean, uh, with female wrestling, female, it was just Moolah. Uh, Moolah and no, May Young. May Young and another May Young, one. Moolah. And, uh, and then it was like Wendy Richter. There, there was no such thing as a diva back then. No, you know there and, were some uh, rough women like Moolah. Oh yeah, and May Young. Hey, May Young had a huge anchor tattooed yeah, on her they, arm. Knock you out. <laughs> like yeah, they'll knock you out. It, it was uh, now we now I want to ask you a question about Hulk Hogan. Do you think Hulk Hogan single-handedly is the most um not I don't need, okay let me rephrase that. Do you think Hulk Hogan has as a superstar had the biggest impact on professional wrestling, or do you think it was someone like Stone Cold or someone like that? No, I think Hogan did. I mean, Stone Cold, you know, he'd like to slap his beers together and just pour it. Yeah, but he 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 brought he brought it back from a time where the same thing he brought nasty into the wrestling. He played. He was a face that played as a heel, but that was when the crowd liked the heel. Right, but you know when you start slapping beers together, pouring them down your throat, and then giving me more, pouring them down your throat, it promoted you know like. Excessive drinking, alcohol. Yeah, um, but promoted, that's what some know, of the fans. Nasty. But like, the, they're looking for the eighteen to thirty-four, or eighteen to twenty-four bracket of fans. So that's what they were doing. It's, uh, that's so. when it, it became part of uh, the individual's persona. Yeah, where Hogan was the fast talker. He would stand there, and you know what you're going to do when he would do the posing. Yeah, and the guy the was posing. jacked. There's no doubt about it. He was a big guy. You think he was rooted up? Uh, he probably was. You can see as he got older. Um, you know, but because uh, there were times when he was really big, and then there was times he got really small, big yeah, and small. Yeah, and and now you know he uh, he left his mark in wrestling. So one of the things that that I talked about with Alex was the thing that the the thing that that was different from fans back in the day to fans now is is technology, right? Like if you go to an event when you could go to an event, um, a lot of fans look at their phones, right? Back in the day, if you're a good guy, you always got cheered. If you're a bad guy, you always got booed. Was it ever that time where you used to see like the bad guys get boo- uh, get cheered? Or were the fans always... Like, there used to be... Oh, no, like, you had guys that were good guys that turned bad. No, I'm talking about like for the fans. Like, say, it's like, did, you, did Bruno San Martino ever get booed by anybody in the crowd? No. No. See, that's the difference. That's the... Fans back in the day, like when I would watch like any WrestleMania or whatever it is, like the the smallest babyface guy, and then Hulk Hogan. There were times when they both sounded like the fans both appreciate them at the same volume. You know what I mean? That's that's what's so different now is like not all the fans cheer for the good guys anymore. Right when Hulk Hogan turned to bad guy and he had you oh, know, but he still a... but he still had fans though. Right. Yeah, but not like he did when he was dressed in his uh, yellow ketchup and, and mustard, and, as Alex would yeah, say. Right, and yeah, uh, that's when uh, you know I think most people realized what Hogan was about and how he brought back wrestling when he turned uh, dark and uh, yeah, when he grew the beard and yeah, spray painted the belt right. and everything like that. Uh, there were a lot of different uh, changes, I think, yeah. uh, with regard attitudes towards him. Mm-hmm. But um, and. You know, back in that day, you know, he was your favorite wrestler. He was uh, someone you wanted to watch all the time. Yeah. And it was good because he, uh, you know, he kind of was a role model to a lot lot of young uh, people. Um, But, uh, again, uh, wrestling is a business. 
and that's what it is and you know it's a lot of Hollywood now and uh, it's all about uh, you know keeping it going it's all about uh, the amount of uh, cash flow coming in yeah and uh, you know making a business and providing for uh, the people who uh, work for WWE and their families now it's and, WWE but yeah. I, I still say WWF I, I've done it so many times yeah. too. I mean, you know, it's what is the World Wildlife Foundation? Yeah, they sued him. I think it was. Yeah, the the fucking pandas and with the you know, but it's you know my my opinion of wrestling is now I think I mean it's a little bit predictable now. Like it's sad that I know when they're going to go to a commercial break, or it's sad that I know what's going to happen because they've done thirty times before. So like back in the day, you were kind of on your toes a little bit because. There wasn't so much programming where you can watch wrestling. Like, now it's everywhere. You, there's, right. Think about it. There's three days a week on television, plus you have the network. Back in the day, you had one wrestling show a week, Wrestling Challenge, or Saturday Night's Main Event. You had four pay-per-views. So, like, not, you know. That's why a lot of people watched it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, with everything they do now, it's just so overblown, especially with, like, pay-per-views. That's why if you have that WWE network for, what is it, like 10, 12 bucks a 10 month? 10 bucks a month. 10 bucks a month. I mean, you're getting all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, back when you were young, we did a pay-per-view, you know. Closed circuit uh, television, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you, you had to go a, to like a, not like an arena, but like a movie theater, right? Uh, to watch some stuff? Uh, yeah. And uh, then it came on TV. I think, you know, WrestleMania 1. Yeah. Uh, and then 2. But uh, then uh, it... Uh, you believe there are 36 WrestleManias? That's crazy, oh, right? That's... I remember WrestleMania 1. I watched WrestleMania 1 the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I watch it just for fun. It's so different. It's so much different. Bruno San Martino's in it. Because That's his, right. His father, no, his his son, David, yes. actually wrestled I in remember WrestleMania son, 1. Yeah, I remember when his son came into the wrestling son David. business. Yeah. But he didn't last long. No. No, he didn't no. last long. And I he, think... he looked like him. Like, he, minus the chest hair, but, I mean, he was very, like, short, yeah, stocky. Yeah. Was built, built like, like a brick shit house. Built like his father. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, so uh, if you look at television today, we were watching a show the other day. Uh, what Raw? John, no, no. This was just another show. Uh, John Ritter. Remember, he was in oh, yeah. his company. Yeah. Well, his son was in a show. Me and your mom was watching, and he looked, I mean, identical to his yeah. father. Yeah. I mean, you would actually think it was John Ritter, and he's gone now, but. Uh, his son, I think his first name is Tyler. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, uh, Tyler Ritter. He looks just like his dad. And when Sam Martino's son came in, it was like, uh, I think maybe in Bruno's, you know, passing the torch to his son. But his son, it wasn't for him. He lasted only a short time. And uh, Yeah, I remember that because he only had one it. match at WrestleMania. That was it. That and, was it. I mean, I think he, pro he probably got signed because of the last name. Like, if you think about it. You know, the whole Sam it's, Martino it's, name. It, it, it wasn't an easy... Uh, career for those guys back in the day uh you had uh, wrestlers who didn't get any kind of uh, a salary like they have today no god and then back in the yeah. day if you, they got you, if they got 25 dollars a day for a night for wrestling well you used uh, to get paid depending on where you were on the card right so yeah. if you were if you were like kind of a main eventer right then you would get the most money like draw money draw money draw money that's what you wanted to do Oh yeah, back so, when uh, Sam he's not Sam Martino, um, Ken Patera and I think Putzke, I think they only got like a couple hundred dollars for that night. No, really, you know, a couple hundred dollars uh, per so person. So what? So what did you do? You just stood in the locker room and watched them. Yeah, we just had to make sure nobody came down. It, it was they were actually getting prepared in the cafeteria down at uh, in Dickinson High School, 
And uh, we just uh, just plain clothes or uniform? No, this was plain clothes. This was uh, you know a detail that I did. Uh, I was good friends with the promoter Sally Lavella. He was the music teacher, and he was raising funds for the uh, band. Yeah, and uh, they did put a they put a few uh, wrestling uh, uh, shows on, but that particular one, I say, yeah, okay, I'll come down. And uh, <laughs> it was more of a favor than anything else, rather than a job. But, yeah. Uh, being I was a wrestling fan, I hung out downstairs with the wrestlers, and they did have a couple of uh, police officers that were upstairs. Uh, wouldn't allow anybody. Downstairs. What were the crowds like? Oh, the whole gym was filled. Everything you know, the whole gymnasium was filled with yeah. uh, everyone. And uh, like I hear stories of, like when Ric Flair would talk about wrestling, like back in the day in the seventies, like some of the fans were like, were, were like legitimately hated him, like. Well, they ha- didn't hate him. They hated his persona. Uh-huh. You know, uh, they you know when you walk into a ring strutting, going woo. <laughs> yeah, but, and all the stuff that he wore, that was his real money: the Rolexes, the crocodile oh, shoes, the he's, suits. He's a big spender. Oh, uh, yeah. Mean, he's a big drinker. <laughs> he was, yeah. You know, I don't know if he still does it, but uh, mm, apparently in moderation. He, he almost a, died a couple times. Yeah, there was a show that him and Roddy Piper switched. Wife swap. Wife swap. I saw like that, that episode actually. And uh, I was watching. It was on. Uh, I forgot what channel, but it was like in the middle of the day, and I was I was off from work, and it said wife swap, Flair and Piper, and I'm like, there's no way this is Ric Flair and Roddy Piper, but it was. He, now he, he was, was a, he was another guy, Roddy Piper, that a lot of the fans hated him. He had the infamous program with Jimmy Snooker where he hit him in the head with a coconut and Piper's pit and. Well, coconut. You talk about Bobo Brazil. Yeah, Bobo you know? Brazil too. Yeah, <laughs> but like, you, you, you watched Jimmy Snooker, right? Oh yeah, I used to love watching. He, him. Uh, you, you know, know, he was supposed to be built up to be the next Hogan, until he killed his girlfriend. Well, he didn't go to jail for that. There but was, technically, uh, well, you, did you ever? Did you ever see? Do you ever watch Dark Side of the Ring? Uh yeah, a couple times. The one with him was a little bit special or different because there was only one meeting with the police after it was the chief of police it was him it was jimmy snooker and it was vince mcmahon and apparently vince mcmahon came in with a big briefcase and that was it oh i don't know the circumstances but, but i do know the one who was down in mexico i forget his name oh uh bruiser he, bruiser brody bruiser brody he legitimately I, got stabbed I, but that was uh a homicide yeah and i don't know how it wasn't you know uh person that tony, stabbed him. tony atlas was in the locker room he, he was in the locker room and i still remember that when the news came over the air because bruiser brody was a, a you know big time wrestler too and a big guy but uh things that was got the undertaker's of, first match against yeah, him was he got bruiser things brody. got out of hand and uh how it happened you have two stories and always somewhere in between the truth and uh, apparently the apparently the promoter stabbed them uh supposedly yes but uh, when you say, you know, I was defending myself or... Yeah. See, you got to remember something. His persona was to be crazy. Yeah. You know, so uh, sometimes that persona, even though he could be like as gentle as a lamb when he's not in the ring, mm-hmm. just the opposite because that was his uh, that was his shtick, as they say. Yeah, you know, it's... it's And like, look at Owen Hart. I remember we were watching that together when Owen Hart died. Remember when uh, Owen Hart yeah, died? Yeah, see. And think about it. It's a homicide, right? So as as a police officer, 
right? No, that wasn't a homicide. That was he got killed in the ring. He fell. Yeah, I know, but he still died. Yes, but the... but to go on with the show eliminates the whole purpose. I right? agree. I agree with you on that. That was a, a horrific accident. Yeah, and uh, his wife got ten million dollars from that. The follow up to that was didn't you know she could got the she got the money, but you know uh, it, uh, this kid still didn't have a father. Yeah, and um, I remember watching that with you because we used to have the hot box. Remember right. we used to have all the. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> what hot box? Yeah, for, yeah, for that's, some that's illegal. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason we we always had the the free wrestling shows. I was we, we were just we were just lucky, I guess. But uh, no, that was cool. But I mean, yeah, this was fun, right? Yes, it was. Uh, I was a little skeptic about coming in front of a mic to talk well, about all things. You love talking, oh, though. I you, I, I you love talking. It. You I love telling did, stories. Yes. Well, you know, you cop for thirty two. You know, you know. thirty two years. <laughs> How long do you think we've been talking for? I don't know, forty minutes. Fifty three. Oh wow! It goes by fast, right? Yeah, well, it's easy when you talk to your son. Yeah, it's easy about something that I love. So I appreciate you listening to Sunset Flip Radio, this special uh, episode. But no, we didn't promote this episode. It was just I was eating. My mom mom made sausage and peppers. (laughs) And then I looked at my dad like, you want to talk about wrestling? And he's like, yeah, sure. Okay, so here it is. So you're going to – we're going to be – Alex will be back tomorrow where we talk about the horror show of Extreme Rules preview. Uh, in the meantime, Dad, thank you for joining me on your first episode of Sons of Flip Radio. Oh, and, you're uh, welcome. <laughs> and it was uh, a very, very good night for me here to sit with my son and yeah. talk about things that uh, we both grew up with. Yeah, and yeah. talked about how I'm how I'm the favorite, and we talked about don't how... Let, don't <laughs> let your sisters hear that. <laughs> about how Vito's the best dog in the family. Okay. But, um all right guys so uh check us out on facebook and instagram as always follow us like us leave us a comment on apple podcast and on podbean please and always check our, our website and facebook and instagram for latest updates and so don't mean- forget to tell your children you love them yeah <laughs> thanks love dad you, i love you too dad take care <laughs>